Hi everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Chilean British Radio. My name is Ella and you're listening to B-Sides, a weekly program where we explore a different obscure microgenre every week. So last week we were focusing on an interesting genre called vaporwave, an internet phenomenon that juxtaposes retro with modern. But this week's microgenre was arguably the very first internet created made up sounding genre. It came years before Vaporwave even began, towards the end of 2009, and it picked up popularity starting in 2010. This is the genre named Witch House. Even though you might not have heard of it before, while you're listening to the tracks throughout this program, I'd encourage you to try and listen for its main characteristics. These can include chopped and screwed hip hop, indiscernible and ethereal vocals, synths and drum machines. Just like last week's topic of Vaporwave, Witch House uses plenty of obscure samples, and it's often quite experimental. The first artist that I want to play you goes by the name of Clams Casino. He's an introverted producer from New Jersey who's mostly built his career making instrumental tracks to serve as beats for famous rappers like ASAP Rocky, Mac Miller, Vince Staples, and more. His debut album was released in 2011, and this particular track was created that same year for his next album. The song I'm about to play you has over 6 million views on YouTube, and so many comments talking about how beautiful and emotionally resonant it is, and calling it a masterpiece. However, even though it was originally created as a beat for the rapper Lil B to put his vocals over, the instrumental version is a perfect work of art on its own. Give it a listen and see what you think. This track is called I'm God and it's by Clams Casino.
that was the track I'm God by Clams Casino. So this genre of witch house was actually initially coined as a joke. The creator of this genre, a Denver artist by the name of Pictureplane, made it up to describe his music in 2009. He was joking around and talking about the kind of music he made with his friend Shams and started calling the type of house music they created witch house because it's occult-based house music. Later when he did an interview with the music journalism site Pitchfork, he brought up that conversation and, lo and behold, witch house became a genre for better or worse. Personally, if I had to pick my favourite artist ever, this guy would be it. Pitcherplane is not only a hard-working musician dedicated to his art, but also an inspirational activist and painter, as well as fashion designer, who has always been in charge of his own creative process, and has stayed very much himself since he started making music in 2001. He lived and worked for a while in a DIY art space in Denver called Rhinoceropolis, and used to be close friends with Grimes, who's an artist I spoke about in the very first episode of B-Sides. This next song is from his first studio album, Dark Rift, from 2009, which is arguably the first Witch House album ever made. This is a song that personally carries so much meaning, and to me, it symbolizes the beginning of my passion for interesting music. It's not a mainstream song by any means, but in my opinion, if a song is considered bad by some people or rated poorly by critics, it doesn't matter. If it carries personal meaning and you love it, then it's a good song to you, and that's all that matters. I'd really encourage you to think for yourself about music and not let criticism sway your opinion of a song. This is the track Goth Star by the artist Picture Plane.
That was one of my favourite songs of all time, Goth Star by Picture Plane. I can't even begin to explain how much I admire Picture Plane, but sadly I've never been able to see him live. But I've interacted with him a few times on Twitter, and I've even messaged him back and forth before about how much of an inspiration he's been to me. I even tweeted him a few days ago saying I was going to play his music on this program, and he gave it a like, so that's my claim to fame. So my personal journey into Witch House began way back in 2012, when I saw the artist Grimes performing live on TV. I actually talked about this event in my very first episode of B-Sides, as the defining moment that sparked my interest and my passion for discovering new music. After searching Grimes on Spotify and loving every single track she'd made, I noticed that in the Related Artist tab, there was a musician called Picture Plane. When I researched him a little on the internet, his music kept being described as witch house music. My interest was piqued since I'd never been aware of this type of music and I already considered myself a little bit edgy, so it was perfect for me. And from there, I started listening to all the witch house artists that I possibly could. This next artist is considered to be another one of the pioneers of the witch house sound. He's a Californian artist whose band name is pronounced O, but is spelt with the letter O written five times. He was recently on a hiatus from making music for a very long time, but last year he made a return to the music scene with a 13-track collaborative album named Famine and Mystique. His very first project was released back in 2010, at the peak of Witch House popularity, but the track I'm about to play you is from his 2013 album Without Your Love. This is his last release before he went on his five-year-long hiatus. The track name is Without Your Love, and it's by O. Thank you. 
That was the song Without Your Love by the artist O. Following on from the name of this particular artist, one of the most prevalent features of Witch House is the usage of symbols and signs in the artist's names or albums or songs. I actually spoke about this last week as well when I talked about the genre of vaporwave, which also employs this tactic. The purpose of using it in Witch House is so that the artist can keep their work from entering the mainstream. Obviously, it's a lot harder to find an artist who doesn't have any discernible letters in their name. As well as this usage of symbols, Witch House has a related aesthetic that's pretty predictable based on the genre's name. A lot of artists use witchcraft, shamanism, the occult, horror films and hidden messages in their videos or their album art. Triangles and crosses are also used quite a lot as well, and weird kinds of typography to keep the artist unknown. This next artist is an example of using odd or difficult to pronounce names to maintain a relatively underground status. His real name is Marcel Everett, and he's a 23-year-old from Florida. The artist's name is spelt XXYYXX, but there's some discussion as to whether you're supposed to pronounce it like that or whether it's said like Zizzy. But Marcel himself pronounces it as XXYYXX in his interviews, so it's probably more correct to use that pronunciation. Either way, this is a track from his first and only official studio album from 2012. He was only 16 years old when he made this record, which is so impressive. He's gained remarkable fame for an artist that only has one album out, but he does produce and remix, as well as going on tour quite a lot. This is the song Closer by XXYYXX.
That was Closer by the elusive and ingenious XXYYXX. So that was an example of a lighter and more calm witch house track. But right now, I'd really like to play you an even brighter and less serious song by the technically witch house artist Purity Ring. Maybe their most recent work doesn't quite fit into the genre's usual parameters, but they definitely started out as a witch house artist. They are a shining example of how this kind of music doesn't have to be depressing or dark. Obviously, not all of the music within one genre umbrella is going to sound exactly the same, and Purity Ring definitely proves that. Their music is self-described as future pop, and they've really burst into the mainstream in recent years, having co-written and produced three tracks for Katy Perry's most recent album, having their songs featured in television advertisements, and playing at Coachella in 2016. This Canadian band is made up of producer Corin Roddick and vocalist Megan James. At the start of their musical career together, Corin would make instrumental tracks and then send them to Megan via email, who would then record vocals over them. Even though this doesn't really sound like an incredibly professional recording process, their debut album was shortlisted for the 2013 Polaris Music Prize and featured at number 24 in Pitchfork's Best Albums of the Year in 2012. So obviously, their slightly unconventional methods work to their advantage, and they must be doing something right. They're currently in between albums, having released their second album in 2015, but nothing else since then, save for one standalone single. They definitely have music on the way soon though, and I can't wait for them to release their third album. This next track I want to play you is from Purity Ring's second album, Another Eternity. It's called Body Ache. Yeah. 
That was the track Body Ache by the ethereal future pop duo Puriteering. I do actually want to play you one more Purity song in a bit because I just adore their music so much. In particular, I'm such a huge fan of the way the vocalist Megan James sings. She writes all of her own vivid and creative lyrics, and a lot of them are taken directly from the pages of her diary. Her fantastical lyrics definitely make for an interesting contrast with Corrin's hip-hop-influenced beats. They're an incredibly likeable band, and I'm equally fond of their aesthetics as I am of their music. Their official site has a helpful page with all of their lyrics written down, so you don't have to go through the usual struggle of not knowing exactly what the sinner is going on about. Plus, their website and shirt designs are completely gorgeous. I sadly haven't been able to see them live either, but watching back videos of their live performances, I'm fascinated by the way Corin uses these light-up lanterns that are synced up to the music. Their outfits when performing live are also designed and sewn completely by Megan. So she's not just an amazing singer and songwriter, but also a fashion designer as well. I love that Purity Ring produce and record all of their music themselves, without additional help from other artists or from their label. That means that all of their projects are so much more authentic and personal. This next song is from their debut album Shrines, a project full of songs described as existentialist fairy tales. Make of that what you will. But for now, this is the track Obadiah by Purity Ring. Gather up its heart and love 
That was Obadiah by Purity Ring. So right now, I want to explain about a genre that's very closely related to this week's topic of Witch House. Its name is Gravewave. This is another microgenre term, and it refers to music that is sonically, thematically, or aesthetically macabre. Obviously, you could file a lot of Witch House music under this title of Gravewave, since it also incorporates themes that relate to the macabre. So I'd define Gravewave as being an umbrella term that Witch House music falls under. Other genres that can be included under the Gravewave umbrella are goth, post-punk and neo-folk, to name a few. It's interesting to think about how humans classify music according to common themes. It also raises questions like, could you just create your own genre based on one common factor? For instance, if I found a variety of songs or artists that all made songs related to nature, could I start calling this kind of music flower wave? What if a group of artists all made dark and creepy music with skeletons and ghost themes? Could I name this kind of music skullcore? The possibilities for the emergence of future genres are pretty much endless. But to return to the topic of Gravewave in particular, I'd like to play you a song by the artist Zola Jesus. She managed to study and graduate from university whilst creating her first few projects, which is incredibly impressive. She's also released five complete studio albums as of last year. Her music combines a lot of different genres, using elements of electronic, industrial, classical and goth. This mix of influences makes for some dramatic and ominous music. This next track in particular has a lot of 90s influences as well. It's called Soak and it's by Zola Jesus.
That was the track Soak by the artist Zola Jesus. It's really fascinating to me how the way we describe music has changed so much and is still developing to this day. With advancements in technology, more and more interesting niche microgenres can be created. And with more people making music now than ever before, there's so many creative minds all producing fascinating tracks and innovating within and without their respective genres. One of the key features of Witch House is chopping and screwing. This is a technique that originated in the 1990s in the Houston hip hop scene. Traditionally, they would slow down a track to 60 or 70 beats per minute and then apply techniques on top like skipping beats, creating delays and using record scratches. Obviously, at that time, this took quite a lot of skill and precision thanks to the usage of record players. But nowadays, it's been made so much easier with the invention of music production software like FL Studio, Ableton Live, and Cubase, which allow you to employ hundreds of different production techniques with just a few clicks. This has completely changed the way that we make music and allowed all kinds of people to become artists who might not have had the opportunity before. I think this is a really wonderful thing since everyone should be able to create art if they want to. For me, it makes the world a much more interesting place. Moving on to our next Witch House track, by an artist named Sleepover, which is stylized with an infinity symbol between the two words. Her music is often described as dreamy ambient electropop. She also makes video games in her spare time as well, which I think is so cool. I feel like making music and video games for a living would be my dream job. But anyway, this is the track Romantic Streams by the artist Sleepover. 
That was Romantic Streams by Sleepover. So the witch house genre has sadly declined a lot since its peak of popularity in 2010. It didn't quite take off into the mainstream, and a lot of witch house bands stopped making music or became a lot less popular. This could be for a number of different reasons, but there are a few important factors that contributed to its demise. Since it was the first microgenre of its kind, the speed and the ferocity with which the media jumped into criticising it were especially harsh. The world wasn't familiar with made-up sounding genres, so they didn't understand Witch House and they weren't very tolerant with it. Another reason could be that Witch House can be very abrasive and at times difficult to listen to for a lot of people. It's often quite harsh and dark music, so it could evoke negative feelings in people that they aren't comfortable with. Obviously this can greatly vary from person to person, but most people enjoy happy music that evokes positive feelings. Another important factor was that the aesthetics of Witch House became more important and well-known than the actual music. This genre really didn't get time to develop and grow and achieve a sense of cohesion. It was shot down before it could be refined and turned into a respectable and valid genre. But Witch House served as an example for plenty of future microgenres. Without it, I'd argue that all the microgenres following it, like Escape Room and Vaporwave, wouldn't exist. So, even though this movement wasn't entirely successful, it did create a legacy and leave a mark on the music industry. One artist that managed to escape the limits of Witch House and break into the mainstream with a successful career was Crystal Castles. I talked about this band in my first episode of the series. They're a Canadian group who have been making music since 2006, and they went on tour a few times with my aforementioned favourite artist, Picture Plane. This is a track from their second album, Crystal Castles, with the song Baptism.
That was the track Baptism by the now sadly disbanded Crystal Castles. So now you know all about the haunting genre of Witch House and some of the topics and issues that go with it. I hope you've enjoyed discovering another new micro genre and learning about more different types of music as well. I also hope that I've given you some interesting topics to think about too. Unfortunately though, it is time for me to wrap things up and finish this week's episode. But I've had so much fun talking about my very favourite artists and sharing my musical discovery genre journey with you. And I can't wait to talk about another fascinating new micro genre next week. For now though, I'm going to leave you with an iconic Witch House track by Balam Acab. He's an artist from Pennsylvania whose stage name is also the name of a Mayan god who creates rainbows that he learned about in Spanish class. He dropped out of college to pursue his music career further, like so many of his producer peers. He started making music aged 13, but at that time it wasn't quite the same genre as his current projects, since his first musical forays were within the metal and hardcore scenes. This, to me, is a pretty surprising beginning, especially since his more recent music is so calm and serene and blissed out, and it also incorporates a lot of sounds from nature. This does, however, mean that this next track, as well as a lot of his other tracks, starts off really quietly. So give it a minute to pick up, because it's honestly a beautiful song. The album it's taken from was made when Balam Acab was only 20, so I'd say it's a very impressive creation for someone so young. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to B-Sides today. I'm Ella, and this is Apart by Balam Acab. See you next week.
the Chilean British Radio. The only Chilean radio in English. <laughs>